Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma for Tuesday, May 11th, 2010 on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Stegel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do every two weeks on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals to lead organizational change at Enclaria LLC. The Change Agent's Dilemma is how do you influence change without authority? And one thing that's important when you're influencing change without authority is to be able to prove or to demonstrate to people who are in authority that your change initiative is actually doing what you want it to do. So today, my guest is Maria Jajewski of Changing River Consulting, who specializes in nonprofit evaluation. As the Chief Assistant to World Savers at Changing River Consulting, Maria Jajewski helps nonprofit organizations measure their work, improve their weaknesses, and celebrate their successes. She has worked with organizations ranging in size from all volunteer groups to statewide membership organizations, statewide being Michigan. Uh, When working with organizations, she teaches them that evaluation can, in fact, be more fun than a root canal while helping them do their work even better. And it actually turns out uh, Maria and I were both at Northwestern University at the same time for undergrad. And, but we never really ran into each other, never met, and we decided that the reason for that is that my, I spent most of my time in tech, the engineering <laughs> building, and Maria, Maria spent most of her time trying to totally avoid that building. So, uh, Maria, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> so let's uh, just start with the basics. What, it, what do you do when you say you do nonprofit evaluation? Well, basically, I work with organizations that are trying to change the world for the better in some way, shape, or form. And I help them measure how effectively they're doing that and figure out where the problems are and figure out what's working and try to uh, help them be more successful in the long run. So for nonprofit organizations, you are helping them show that the things that they're doing to change the world are actually working. Yeah, that's correct. And if if they're not, how can they make them better? So how does that relate to organizational change? Well, we can think about organizational change as as basically just another type of behavioral change. Um, Anytime that you are trying to affect change within an organization, you're trying to get somebody to do something differently. And you hope that that different thing will be more effective and help the organization in some way. So when we think about evaluation in terms of change within an organization, it's basically measuring is the change that you're trying to enact taking place? Are people actually doing things differently? And is it actually helping the organization? So why bother trying to evaluate a change process? Well. Um, 
the short answer is uh, it, it saves a lot of time, money, and frustration. Uh, <laughs> to, to go into a little bit more detail, most change management initiatives take a fair amount of time, whether it's a year or three years or five years. And it would be pretty unfortunate to get to the end of a five-year change management process and find out it didn't work and not know why. And more importantly, not be able to explain to your boss why it didn't work. Uh, so, so we're going to try today to give people some, some things that they can use to uh, measure change and make some adjustments along the way so that they're not getting to the end of these things and just kind of looking at you well, I don't know. <laughs> so where do you start? Up the first challenge. place, yeah, the first place that I always start with with my clients is asking them, what difference do you want to see when you get done with your work? So, what is the purpose of what you're doing, and why? So, you know, if we use the example of implementing a new technology system, new new software program, why do you want to? To change your software? Is it to increase the efficiency of the organization? Is it to save costs? Is it to make things easier for people to do? Is it to unify your processes across several departments? Um, whatever it may be. So identify what your end goal is, why you want to accomplish that, and what things will look like if you're successful. Okay. And then what? Um, then you get started on deciding the questions that you want to answer. So if you know what you want the company to look like when your change process is done, you can work backwards from there and say, okay, what, what questions do we have to be able to answer to figure out if we've been successful or not? So, you know, is it increased productivity? Is it, um, you know, that we save you know, how, how much money that have we saved, um, anything that would help you figure out whether what you've done is successful. And I always recommend focusing on, on just a few key questions or, or even one question if, if possible. The more focused you are in the questions that you ask, the more helpful the data is going to be. You know, what you don't want to do is start asking everything in the kitchen sink, which is unfortunately the way the human mind works. And we try to complicate things right from the start. And by keeping to a really small core set of questions that really guides the, the process of measurement and evaluation and being able to move forward in improvement. So how does cause and effect work into this? Because I know... Um, you know, if you're doing you're doing certain tasks, say, or you know, having certain meetings or whatever it is that you're doing to try to implement change, and then on the on the other side is the effect of mm -hmm. of what you're trying to accomplish. So how does that? How are those related to the questions that you're asking? Um, well, that's that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, if you are trying to affect some type of a change, if you're trying to get to some sort of result, you have to take certain actions to get there. And most of the time for, for a pretty straightforward change process, like, like implementing IT systems and training people on how to use them, those steps are pretty well defined. 
Um, so you know that if you train people well and if you give them proper supports, eventually they'll come around and they'll do things the way that you hope that they would. There are other things that, that are a little bit more mysterious. <laughs> you know, when, when you're trying to change people's psychology or the language that they use, for example, if you're trying to get a more team orientation uh, going in your company, um, you may have to try a lot of different techniques and just continue to measure to see what's successful. It may be pretty hard to pin down what the cause is going to be ahead of time. And that's another reason that, that measuring as you go along is so important because you won't know ahead of time what's going to work. So you need that data to show you if you're on the right track or if you need to keep making adjustments. Okay. So the questions you're asking are mainly on the output side or the, the outcome side. Yeah, so so you're asking questions about, you know, how how do you get from where you are to where you want to go? So, you know, for for example, with the a software implementation, your question might be, have we approved improved efficiency in the organization? Is it taking people less time to do their tasks, or is it costing less money for them to do their tasks? And that would be the guiding question that you start with in your evaluation. Okay. So what are some of the tools that you use? Um, okay. Well, the, you know, after you've got your question nailed down, then you need to figure out how you're going to possibly measure these things. Um, and there are a variety of ways to go about that, and it really depends on, on what you're trying to find out. Um, you know, it's it's important before you even pick um, a measurement tool of, of any sort um, who the ultimate report is, is going to be for. You know, is it just for people in your team? Is it for your managers? Is it for line workers? Um, so, you know, who's, who's your target audience for this? And if it's several target audiences, it may mean that you have to use a few different methods of measuring or maybe you just present the, the information differently at the end. So um, if you are you know, trying to present things to managers, you know, maybe they only care about the dollars and cents, so they don't really care how happy they are. But if you are presenting information to people on the front lines who are using the systems that you're working with, you know, maybe they want to see how their jobs have gotten easier or their job satisfaction has increased um, since, since you've implemented this change. So those are important things to keep in mind. Um, but there are, you know, the, the short answer is there, there are a whole lot of ways to go about measuring and gathering data. And it depends on who you're working with, you know, how large of a team you're, you're working with. You know, if you're in a 10-person organization, um, you can very easily go and do one-on-one -on -one interviews with everybody to see how things are going. If you're in a 1,000-person organization, you may have to do something a lot less personal like, taking a, an online survey with multiple choice you know, survey answers. Um, so, you know, just a short list of, of possibilities would be focus groups, surveys. You can do pre and post tests if you're training people um, how, to, how to use a certain tool. So you can test them uh, ahead of time to see how long it takes them to do something and then test them after they've received some training to see if they've improved. That's a good way of knowing that your training's working. You can do things like time logging to see if uh, efficiency is improved or, you know, productivity studies. Um, 
And, you know, whenever possible, it's great to use internal data that you're already collecting. So if you have a, a database, you know, or, or some sort of log, you know, web analytics, anything like that, that would be helpful. Um, those are always good places to start because it's already there. Yeah. How do you avoid becoming Big Brother when you're doing something like that? Um, you know, a lot of it is in the framing. Um, if you are looking at, you know, possibly, you know, doing time logging or something that might be perceived as intrusive, it's, you know, first of all, important to build up a, a level of trust within the organization about why are you implementing this change, you know, and if it's something that frankly is just about layoffs, you know, then, then maybe this isn't the way to go about it or maybe you can't be nice about it. Um, but if if it's something that's being implemented to to genuinely help people make the company more efficient, whatever that may be, you know, frame it that way and explain to people that we're we're doing this to ultimately make your job easier. So it isn't about you; it's about gathering a pool of data so that we can make decisions. And if you can collect data anonymously, you know, so much the better. Um, just so that people don't feel like you're standing there looking over their shoulder all the time. With a clipboard. I've actually done that. Yeah, yeah, you don't <laughs> want to stand behind somebody with a clipboard and a stopwatch if you can avoid it. <laughs> yeah, they don't tend to like that very much. <laughs> okay, uh, so you've selected your measurement tools, and what do you do after that? What's the next step? Um, well, after you have gathered a fair amount of data, you know, whether that's you know, over the course of a month or two, or, you know, it, it'll depend on the scope of what you're trying to do. Then you actually try to answer if you have created any change. So you'll, you'll need to do some analysis on the data, and there are all different levels that you can take this to. If you are doing something really big, really complex, you may need to do some statistical analysis. Um, there, there are ways to do both quantitative analysis, like test of statistical significance, those sorts of things, um, and quantitative analysis. There's actually uh, quite a few software programs that will do analysis on like, transcripts from interviews, different things like that. Um, but most places don't require that level of, of uh, sophistication. <laughs> you know, so you, you can pretty easily do something like take a survey in a tool like SurveyMonkey, which is a pretty popular online service. And programs like that will actually do a little bit of analysis for you. They'll make some charts and find averages and, and do things like that. That's generally enough. Um, so that you, you gather all of this, you, know, you generally put it into some sort of report. Try to make the report in a format that people in your organization will understand. You know, so if you're a chart-driven organization, really helps to put things in charts. Um, you know, just translate it into a language that people are already using as much as possible. Um, and present those findings. And then the next step is to, to get together with a team, whether it's people who are on this implementation team with you or whoever needs to be involved, so the key stakeholders, whether they're management or line workers, combination of them all, and discuss those findings. So, you know, what, what does it mean? Everybody has their own way of interpreting information, and it's really helpful when you need people's buy-in to come to a common understanding of what the results are. And once you've figured out 
if it looks like you're being successful or you're not, then you can really go back and say, okay, what, what are the actions that are helpful? What are the actions that we've taken that haven't been helpful? And how do we do more of the helpful stuff and get rid of the unhelpful things? So besides the statistical analysis and the charts and everything, let's talk about maybe at a higher level, how do you know if you've created change? How do you know if you've really created change? Maybe that would be a good time to talk about. I know we've had conversations about logic models. Um, you know, how do you know that you've created change? Well, it goes back to your original intention. You know, does the company look the way that you hoped it would at the end of your change management cycle, or are there some gaps there? You know, have have you been able to fully implement this system? Or are there people that are kind of still hanging on to their old ways? You know, I always say that if you're in an organization, you can only change as fast as your slowest person. You know, it's kind of that little buffalo syndrome. <laughs> um, so, you know, is, is the little buffalo there or not? Um, and that's, I think that's a little more touchy-feely than some of this, this hard statistical analysis stuff. Um, but in, in the discussions among your team, I think it's important to draw out, you know, do people feel like things have really changed? And that is a valid way of, of doing some of this research because people's instincts on these things tend to be relatively accurate. Um, so, you know, if you get a group of, of 10 people from different places within an organization together and try to come to a consensus about whether the change has been successful or not, using a combination of data and their own experiences, you can generally get a pretty accurate picture of what's going on. Um, so, you know, even if the data is telling you one thing, people's instincts might be telling you something different. You know, maybe it looks like things have been successful, but really people are kind of, you know, resentful and hanging on to their own ways. Or maybe you didn't improve efficiency or, or meet your goals to the extent that you thought, but everybody's coming around, and that should be improving in the end. Okay. So is there the, a right frequency for doing evaluation, for checking, gathering data and all that? Or well, it depends on a few on? things. There's no magic formula for it. Um, you know, it's really a combination of how long are you going to be working on this initiative. You know, it's a, if it's a five-year thing, Measuring change you know, every six months or every year may be sufficient. If you're working in a really tight time frame, like you're trying to get something big done in a year, you may need to talk to people, you know, every couple of weeks to see how it's going because you just have to, you have to quickly make decisions about whether things are working or whether you need to make adjustments. Um, it also depends on what resources you have available. If it's not realistic to ask everybody in the company to take a survey every two weeks, then you know obviously you'll have to make some adjustments to your strategies. You know maybe you do one survey every quarter, and you know you just try and do a couple of one-on-one -on -one interviews or a small focus group with, with involving different people every few weeks. Or maybe you have a, a study group you know that volunteers to be really intensively interviewed over a period of time, and everybody else just kind of does you know one big survey or something like that. So it's it, it depends on what you can pull off, you know, how frequently you need that data, um, and you know how realistic it is to, to gather it all and get it analyzed and share it with people. 
Well, that brings me to another question, which is, you know, does it always make sense to do change evaluation? You know, is there a point where it just doesn't make, it doesn't, it costs too much or it's too big of a uh, project to do on its own? Um, you know, if you're doing something really small, um, like, you know, if you're changing from, I don't know, you know, Excel to the Apple equivalent <laughs> of, you know, that software, you know, maybe it's it's not such a big deal. But if you are spending a lot of money or a lot of employee resources, uh, you know, whatever that means for your organization, I, I would say that it's definitely worth doing some level of evaluation. Um, it, you know, it would be a tremendous waste of resources and, and I can give you a, a good example of this from, from my mother's job. Um, and she works at a, a privately owned company, and they were using a very antiquated IT system. It was actually mainframe technology up until about six or seven years ago. And the owner of the company decided unilaterally that they were going to switch to, let's just call it a popular enterprise resource management software package that was uh, founded by a man who likes to spend a whole lot of money on boats. Okay, um, And they switched to this software. They did very poor training with people and actually trained them on a system that was just the standard out-of-the-box system, even though theirs was going to be customized and wouldn't look very similar at all to what they were being trained on. And the end result was people just clung to this mainframe software till their last bitter moment. And they spent a lot of money having to retrain people. They spent a lot of money having to customize this system so that it would look as much as possible like their old system as they could get it. And people are still unhappy about it many years later. So if you don't want to be that company. <laughs> you know, you want things to go smoothly, you want people to feel good about it, and you want to make adjustments as you go along. You know, when things aren't working, you want to make adjustments to make it better. So you're saying they didn't do any evaluation? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they didn't do any evaluation, no. No, they didn't ask anybody about how they felt about anything. and got a whole lot of resistance and a whole lot of blowback as a result. Wow. So uh, what else should people know about evaluating change? Um, well, I don't, I don't have anything grand and pithy to add. Um, I, I would say that when people hear the word evaluation, the first thing they think of is performance evaluation, mm -hmm. and they get really uptight and are resistant to it immediately. That's not really what it is. It's really about looking at things on a bigger scale and seeing what's working or not. Some of the elements that may need to change will affect individuals, but it's not a judgment on whether the individuals are good or bad or doing their jobs adequately or not. So that's what I always try to get people to, to go with when doing an evaluation process with them is it really isn't about you. And it's important to not frame things personally, to not take things personally, and to keep in mind what the ultimate goal is and make adjustments along the way. Makes sense. 
So where can people go for more information? Well, um, I can be contacted um, through my website, which is www.changing-river.com, or my email address is maria at changing-river.com. I also hang out on Twitter quite a bit. Um, my Twitter handle is maria underline g. I should change that to something more clever, but I haven't yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are also um, quite a few resources that people might want to look into if they want to be doing surveys. Um, one that I have become fond of recently is uh, Google Docs. It actually has a form builder function. And there are some really cool templates that people have uploaded on the Google Docs website that are like standard survey formats um, that are pretty easily adapted. And um, if you're hardcore and you want to host your own survey on, on your own servers, there's a program called Lime Survey, which is open source. It's super flexible, um, but it's also quite complicated. So if you're not at a, at a high level of sophistication with that, I'd look at Google Docs or something like SurveyMonkey or Zoomerang. Now we've also also posted on my website a blog post, or it will be in the next 10 minutes or so, uh, a link to a summary of what we've talked about as well as the links that you just mentioned. Uh, and you can find that if you go to www.edclaria.com and uh, find the blog post that mentions evalu change evaluation, is your initiative working? And uh, you will find the link there. Yes, and well, I'm also going to post that on my website. Okay, great. Well, Maria, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time and, and you sharing what you do and how it relates to change management. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. I hope it's helpful. So the next episode is coming up. It will be scheduled on Tuesday, June 8, 2010 at 11 a.m. Eastern. I've made the executive decision uh, over the course of the summer to only do a, a show every four weeks instead of every two weeks. For one thing, all the guests are on vacation, so <laughs> hard to get guests during the summer. Um, in the meantime, uh, there are a couple of events that I'd like to let you know about. For those of you who are in Atlanta, I'm presenting to Organization Change Alliance this Saturday, May 15th, a presentation called Inside Influence, Leading Change from the Middle. So if you are in Atlanta this weekend, I hope you will join us. Also, uh, I'm ho hosting an online course, a two-part webinar series on May 20th and 27th called The Proper Care and Feeding of Leaders, so they help you implement change. And uh, if you would like to join me for that, um, I hope you will. You can learn more about both of those events at www.enclaria.com events. Thank you so much for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. Take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. -head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.
Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm and Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.